0: What's up? You're listening to Fork the Product. I'm your host, Nick Casares. And I'm your other host, Zach Cohen. Fork the Product is a podcast that explores the intersection of blockchain, product, and user experience. We interview founders and builders
1: to understand how they're approaching problems in the blockchain space. In this episode, we speak with Annie Brown, founder of LIPS, What started out as an assignment for an introduction to women's studies class has evolved into something much bigger over the course of 10 years. Their aim is to carve out a space for open and honest expression of sexuality through stories, poetry, and artwork. We had a fantastic conversation with Annie exploring how LIPS sits at the intersection of sexuality, feminism, technology, and community. LIPS team is doing really important and beautiful work to support and empower vulnerable populations. We can all learn a lot from Annie and her team.
0: Annie, thank you so much for joining us on Fork the Product. It's a pleasure to have you on the show.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: To, uh, to dig in, I think we start all of our episodes this way, but we would love to hear a bit more about you and the project you're working on. Um, and along the way, if you can tell us how you got into crypto... Your uh, your crypto origin story, that would be awesome.
2: (laughs) I like that origin story, like superhero. Um, I uh, well, I'm Annie Brown and I am the founder of LIPS. And I guess uh, a little bit about my background. Um, I started out in. Startups or rather the tech side, actually, as a a content writer, Um, my my academic background is in uh, women's studies. And so I lived in India for a while and and got a diploma in uh, gender and development studies. While I was there, I was introduced to Grammy Bank. And um, for them, I actually started out writing about microfinance as a journalist, but then started doing more of the uh, back-end content side of it. So learning about SEO and learning about how you get people to see your content on the internet. Um, and because of that experience, I became a communications associate at Planned Parenthood in Virginia. And, um, you know, I got to kind of see the nonprofit side because, you know, coming from a women's studies background, I really thought I was going to go into nonprofit, but, um, a story I like to tell is that the, uh, Virginia league for Planned Parenthood actually was mostly funded by donors from big tobacco. And as you can imagine, that's, a little weird to wrap your mind around that a health clinic for women is being funded by cigarettes. <laughs> and yeah. so, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah it's a little weird. So it's like, you know, like nonprofit is great, but I do see the limitations, especially from a uh, communications and growth side um, in the nonprofit world. And so I was actually lucky enough to be introduced to the startup world uh, through a friend and, and some of his friends and um, I joined this startup called Consys, um right before they joined Y Combinator. And so when I was with them, I was a communications director and got to go through Y Combinator, which is the ultimate uh, lesson in growth, uh, because basically they want you to have 20 percent weekly growth uh, right after you graduate. Um, and so. I worked with them, uh, went through Y Combinator again, actually, with the spin-off company. Um, and that's called Safe Doing. Uh, great people, uh, lovely, all, all Norwegians and uh, lovely people. And so from there, you know, I was like, OK, I really love this startup thing. I love the energy. I love um, the ability to create solutions and build them fast and not have to rely on donors to make something happen. Um, and so after being in Y Combinator, I started working for um, mainly actually female owned and uh, social enterprise companies, um, all for profit and helping them to grow their marketing strategy. So basically, I was a, and am a um, freelance marketing director. And so in that experience, I was introduced to a lot of new people and i um, one woman actually uh Amber Bradner, a friend of mine, she was launching uh this hackathon called the Absolute Sum Hackathon, which was all about basically um creating uh solutions to social and environmental problems using blockchain and you know being the nerd I am, I had known a little bit about blockchain and you know kind of wanted some way to to learn more about it, but i'm a more hands-on learner, I guess. Uh, so you know, reading the articles wasn't quite doing it for me. So I I talked to her and we decided we'd come up with a I I would do a talk there. And, you know, the talk I was going to give or I gave was about how cryptography can impact uh, women's health or make the internet a better place for women. And where this comes from is basically for, you know, the past 10 years, all all before even my marketing career, um, I'd been doing this zine called LIPS. And basically it was an independent publication. Um, It started when I was an undergrad and then it ended up spreading to five different campuses across the Southeast, just sort of organically. And, you know, since even during my marketing career, I was helping these organizations, you know, or these campuses run um, run their chapters. And one issue they kept running into was one, or two issues, was one, that publishing is really expensive, uh, as you know we can see from how the media industry and the magazine industry is going. And Absolutely. two, um, there was trouble being anonymous, uh, because Lips is basically a, a zine about female sexuality, and basically the idea is honest and open expressions of female sexuality. And people could send P.O. Box, but then you've still got your return address. And so when I learned about cryptography, I was like, oh, wow, this is like the missing puzzle piece, because now people can um, submit anonymously and have a really easy way to access a beautiful platform and kind of be a, a social media platform that one uh, doesn't have the negative side effects of you know social media that it has for women today, harming self-esteem. Um, but also kind of fills the space that a lot of these social media platforms are leaving by um, their censorship policies. So like, especially if you think about Tumblr, um, that's left a huge gap. And so Lips is kind of there to fill it uh, and fill it in a way that's healthy and uh, entertaining.
1: That's so interesting. Um, I would love to dig in a little bit deeper and even from my own education uh you know would love to understand historically what the experience is like or has been in the past for lips to uh you know submit content to uh the publication and and you know particularly highlighting some of the problems that you're now trying to solve uh using blockchain
0: and cryptography yeah i i was definitely curious about that too you know just would love to hear about uh, experiences that people may have had or, you know, how that, how that played out and how that uh, appeared on your radar as a problem to solve?
2: The project started as a introduction to women's studies project. So this was my freshman year and they basically said, okay, well, you know, use what you've learned this semester in this feminist introduction to feminist philosophy class to address a problem because the idea of, Uh, feminism in the academic space and what's always kind of been an issue is that it's more than just a philosophy, obviously, because if you just talk about things, that defeats the purpose of of feminist philosophy, which is to create um, meaningful change in the lives of women. And so basically, I was joking with my roommate and I said, you know, people at this school are very awkward when they talk about sex. And that should be a problem we address. And she was like, you know, I think, you know, I think you could do something like that. Um, I went to the College of William & Mary and um, it's just nerd, nerd, hate heaven. It's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, it's like, we often joke that like, they read the essays, like, you know, your application essays, you're like, oh, this person seems to have some some social difficulties let's let's <laughs> let them in um so so basically that's that's the school and I ask anybody willing to marry and they'll they'll tell you the same thing and so we're like okay let's let's get people to talk more about sex and so we're like okay well they can submit art poetry essays anything they want which is still the case today um, but let's give them the option to be anonymous so if they send us an email they can say you know here's my poem I want this anonymous. Or if they want to be really anonymous, they can drop it in our PO box. So on campus, we had a PO box that they could literally just drop things into. And we found that the majority, for the first issue, the majority of people who submitted were anonymous. Now, what's interesting is that once we had the first issue was a big success. So even beyond the project, we decided to do another issue and actually made it a campus publication. Which was a whole another thing because the campus administration was all upset that you know this was happening and that people liked this and they were calling it porn when the students actually stood up for it and that's the reason we got to be a um, campus publication. And so basically, the idea was is that even though a lot of people submitted anonymously the first time, come the second issue, they were more brave to then submit under their own name because a lot of people said, "Oh, I really relate to that" or "I understand that." And, like, look at this post. It's so cool. And so people wanted their name attached to it. Um, and the, the issue, though, that comes up, I think, um, when you're talking about the internet, is that, one, it's really hard to submit anonymously, right? Like, uh, if I'm running a nationwide online platform, I can't say, drop it in this P.O. box in San Diego. Um, and so no matter what they do, basically, without cryptography, it's, it's going to have some trace on it, or you're going to have some connection to it. Um, And the reason this is a problem is like, say, I'm a woman in, uh, you know, the Midwest, and I uh, am a lesbian, and I want to write poetry about my lesbian experiences, and I want to publish them online. But, you know, there's still that inner feeling, like if, even if they say okay we'll publish this anonymously if i have to send it via my email sure. if there's that visceral like fear you're not going to want like you know cuz some some people really this is a life or death situation and so they're not even going to want to take a chance so that that hyper security that cryptography offers i think is really great and then the the other side of it and this kind of leads a little bit more into blockchain is that i don't think people should be punished for being anonymous and and by punished i mean that they don't get credit for what they're doing and so where blockchain kind of comes in is that we can actually upload anonymous posts to the blockchain and right now we're actually leaning towards doing a private lips blockchain and basically you upload it to that blockchain and then say like 20 years later when that midwestern woman moves to new york and let's say her poetry, uh, you know, has become super famous and she's, you know, this underground star, she can step out and say, oh, yeah, that's mine. And she can have an immutable way of proving that. And so those are those are some different issues, you know, that I think can only be solved uh, with blockchain. And, and you know, the Internet is so performative. And I think having that truly anonymous option will allow it to be a little bit more honest, especially when you're, uh, asking women in the LGBT community to share their experiences.
0: Yeah, that's, that's fascinating. And I I love the idea of creating an anonymous safe harbor for people to begin to express themselves in new ways, but then later being able to reclaim authorship for something that they, you know, for one of their ideas. I, I, I just think that's brilliant.
1: Yeah, that actually, um, it's funny that, you know, we're speaking to you now, because I, Just read, uh, I can't remember his name, but you know, a blog on 2019 predictions for blockchain and crypto. And he actually included the name of, well, he made a prediction about something and didn't want to offend the people by calling them out. Mm -hmm. Um, And so he put the list of the names that he was going to, that he wanted to name, but out of respect for them, was going to be careful. Uh, And he put them in a SHA-256 hash and just posted the (laughs) hash of the names on his blog post. And he was like, I'll reveal it down the line. So what he's doing is, you know, kind of the flip side maybe of what you're trying to do. And uh, it's just a very interesting way to sort of present information, demonstrate that, yes, this, you know, I made this post publicly, here's the hash, and then I'll unhash it later on. Uh, And, you know, anybody can reveal that, you know, and replicate the hash once he does reveal the content. So really interesting concepts.
2: Yeah. And some some things, you know, that I think Lips isn't really doing because we're more focused on um, artwork and and things like that. But one thing that I'd really love like Lips to grow into is sort of developing um, developing feminist software uh, using blockchain to. Kind of solve practical problems and and one of those things if you think about the me too movement um, and uh, reporting sexual assault and you know these these problems of memory and Absolutely. you know people not wanting to uh, say someone's name but also like not wanting to tell anybody like there i I think that cryptography even could have a role in that, and obviously that's super complicated and and that's not something that we're addressing right now, but it just makes me think of you know just kind of what we were talking about before the show started about why blockchain and cryptography is so cool because there's so many applications yeah. and and that's just one of i think you know many um that that could could apply to solving some of these uh women's and lgbtq issues
0: absolutely absolutely I want to turn a little bit toward um, kind of current state of LIPS and yeah. if, you, if you can spend a few minutes telling us uh, more about, I, I think the last time we spoke, you mentioned your team. And so I'd love to hear more about the team and the direction of the project and where you think it's headed next.
2: Sure. So um, right now we've got uh, MVP launched. Uh, it's lipszine.com. And basically, you know what that is is... It's obviously the, the minimum viable product. So we don't have cryptography yet, um, but we're working on it. And actually, we're working with a really cool um, local uh, San Diego uh, developer called BitCot, and they do a lot of uh, blockchain. Um, and so he's, he's Raj is the CEO there, and he's been super helpful in helping me kind of uh, work out some of the, the technical issues and, and kind of tell me like, yes, we can do this. This is doable. And so the the plan moving forward is we're actually crowdfunding uh, this spring. Tentatively, uh, launch date for the crowdfunding campaign is March. And with that crowdfunding, we're looking to um, build our app. So we want to do a mobile app. Uh, one thing I have to research more and look into is that, um, and, and also it'll be affected by the Supreme uh, Court ruling on Apple. But basically, Apple. As you know, like with Tumblr, one of the reasons Tumblr shut down is because Apple's been getting more strict about its uh, censorship uh, on the App Store. So, you know, whether we build iOS or not will kind of depend on some legal research we do, but we're definitely going to do Android. And then um, one thing that might be interesting, you know, to you guys, because this is specifically about UX and the product, is like how, if we have to work around iOS, like how can we build uh, a mobile friendly Safari or Chrome web app? Um, so those are things we're thinking about. And then, uh, so the cryptography, uh, abilities, and then also the marketplace abilities will be launched, uh, hopefully by the end of this year. And then, uh, the following year, what we really want to do is create that, uh, private lips blockchain. So, um, that will probably depend on a little additional funding. Um, but basically, you know, starting out with the cryptography, making sure that security is up allowing people to buy directly from the feed and then um that blockchain later and we've got a really great team working on this um really like uh well one of one of them actually was the person who stepped in for me after i graduated as the uh, president of the lips chapter at william and mary and um she is now um a senior developer at Hipmunk. I actually think she just uh, uh, left Hipmunk and is traveling. She's also a a performance artist, but she's helping us kind of as a technical lead um, for the project. Um, And then we've got an art director um, because, you know, a lot of our stuff goes with feminist theory and also kind of like uh, how to make Technical projects or an app, also a piece of artwork. Like how how is Lips also in some ways a performative art or a, or an art collective? Um, and so she's got a lot of experience in curation. Right now she's getting her masters um, in Sweden, and just a really really uh, smart person. Her name is Julia, and oh yeah, and our, our technical lead. Uh, her name is uh, Lady Jade. Uh, that's her. That's her kind of performance name, and. Uh, So that's our core team. And then we've got great advisors. Um, Jared, um, he's the former CEO of, uh, or he's the former uh, VP of innovation at the Washington Post. And he actually just uh, became the CEO of Poet. And so they're doing really cool stuff with blockchain and um, kind of how how to get, content developers online are people that create content specifically written content like journalists how to allow for those people to track where their content goes because as you can imagine the internet a lot of it is copy paste <laughs> like a lot of the yeah, internet is yeah. plagiarized and so they are uh addressing that problem which relates a lot to ours um so we're working with them and then also Brioni Cole of the Future of Sex uh, podcast she's a super awesome person just Really really smart, really well connected in the sex tech space, which is kind of an industry that lips uh, uh, falls into, and so you know we've got great advisors, great team, and everyone's been working really hard, and we're all been pushing pretty hard leading up to this crowdfunding campaign because that because being a mobile app, I think is going to really change the game uh, for us uh, as as far as taking us to the next level
0: Wow. Very cool. It sounds like you've built up a really solid team of of advisors and smart people ready to dive in and, and work on the problem. Um, are you? Do you have funding yet, or what does that part of the picture look like for you?
2: Sure. So basically, we've got one, um, I guess, uh, small angel investor uh, who is who remains anonymous to who fits well into our uh, anonymity uh, kind of themes, and so he helped fund our NVP. And so that's basically all the funding we've gotten, and the rest is basically bootstrapped. And we've gotten some income from working with um, corporate partners, uh, basically, um, that we connect emerging artists with corporations who want to work with sex-positive female artists, and we'll connect them in our app. We'll do a little bit more automating that, but that's a little bit where revenue has come from. But um, for the most part, you know, this crowdfunding campaign really coming up is going to be our, our big push for, for funding, for building those, you know, highly technical features.
1: Yeah, that is, yeah, it's so interesting. Um, the, I, I'm curious to, well, I have a bunch of questions that I'd like to ask, but I'll, I'll start maybe with <laughs> yes. the, um, you know, the path that you've taken thus far on the technical development. So. Um right. would love to understand one, you know, you mentioned that you're considering a private blockchain. Would love to hear a little bit about that. Um what the you know, what was your thought process around that and you know, it sounds like you're not 100% committed. So, would love to hear, you know, what that decision has been like for you all um and why you think you're headed to private.
2: Sure. So, basically um you know the the private blockchain kind of came from the idea that because lips is this safe space um and because we really want to make sure that our artists are protected um we want to make sure that you know there's not well one we want to make sure that there's not a chance of relying on somebody else, and this kind of maybe goes back to my um uh Tobacco and Planned Parenthood, uh, like experience, but basically like relying on another, uh, public blockchain because it's such a new technology even though like some obviously have been around since the very beginning and they're very stable. I still have this hesitancy to be like, okay, let's put everything on that. Um, I think also with the private blockchain, um, it's going to be easier for us to manage. And I think this is why, you know, lips is kind of interesting because. While, yes, we, you know, obviously blockchain is this idea of a decentralized, no third parties, because, you know, we're protecting the mental health of our users, there is going to have to be some curation and some management, and also because we're dealing with a super sensitive topic. Um, I've talked to a lot of people who said, basically, you're only legally responsible when you do blockchain, you're only legally responsible for. For what comes through your platform. So, what we put onto the platform. But with Lips, we really want it to be so that um, people can, you know, like social media, people can post what they want to post. Basically, we're going to do it so that, yeah, you have to submit like maybe one or two posts and get those approved. And then once those are approved, then you can just post freely. So, I think because we're dealing with a sensitive topic, because there are a lot of people out there on the internet that suck, uh, you know, having a private blockchain protects us a little bit. One thing though, I really want to work on, and I'll be working on this with with uh, Raj. And, you know, it's interesting because we're kind of, because it's a new technology, you don't quite understand what all the possibilities are, but I really want our private blockchain uh, to be able to interact with other ones. Um, because I think the ability to talk to other blockchains, uh, connect with other blockchains is going to be super important, especially, you know if the internet goes more and more decentralized and more and more on the blockchain. So those are kind of things that, you know, I've been considering and thinking on. And I also think Mm -hmm. just from a, a business angle, having a private blockchain is also going to be more appealing to investors. Um, And you know, that, that sort of uh, proprietary product that, that we're providing besides uh, just the app, the brand and our audience.
0: Yeah. I think there's a lot there. I mean, I've, I've been working with a few founders recently who are building on uh, public chains and just the amount of time that they spend dealing with updates (laughs) that are outside of their realm of control. And it's, you know, I think there's philosophically, there are some advantages at least from a perception standpoint, with with going public, you know, especially for people that are hardcore believers in a public chain. Yeah. But uh, there there's a pragmatic side of things where the rubber meets the road, and you have to get things done. So that 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 makes a ton of sense to me. Yeah,
1: not everyone can raise a uh, two hundred and fifty million dollars in an ICO. <laughs> um, but yeah, that I it's interesting also because I was just reading about how the lines appear to be blurring between, you know, what were two mm. very, you know, viewed as polar opposites in terms of private slash permis permission blockchains versus, you know, public open decentralized ones. And, um, you know, I've, I'm looking into this stuff as well for my own job and, you know, the, uh, hyper Hyperledger uh, sorry, the Linux foundation, which runs Hyperledger. uh, they're already right. starting to work on interoperability with uh, like Ethereum. And I think they joined the okay. Ethereum Enterprise Alliance a couple months ago. So uh, I am just curious, do you know which uh, type of technology, like which private blockchain you're likely to move forward with?
2: Well, uh, not not exactly. I mean, the ideal would be like that we have our, that we actually like, you know, build it and then we actually have like a lips token um so and you know uh it's not necessarily like i I thought that was just like you know i couldn't do that there's no way i could raise enough money to do that but actually raj and big cop were like no we can do that for you know a reasonable amount and like you know we can do it in like six months and i was like oh my gosh all right cool so it's like uh all these things i didn't quite think were possible i'm like okay yeah let's let's do that and let's you know, try to make it as much our own brand. But I think, you know, as we get more in the development phase, because right now we're more in the the design and that's, uh, you know, kind of been taking up a lot of my brain space because a part of it is also like designing something that, because not only does the technology need to, you know, address the problem, but the design itself needs to kind of address some problems Mm -hmm. of like, okay, Instagram and Facebook were built by, you know, mainly heterosexual white men and like, you know, their preferences and their way of viewing the world. So how do we kind of uh re uh rethink what a social media is and what social media can be if it's gonna be uh beneficial for women. And so, you know, that's taken up a lot of my mind space. And then once we kind of get through the crowdfunding, um, then I think we're really gonna be like, okay, let's put our, you know, nose to the ground and really do this hardcore research as far as um, which, which options we should, we should use. Very cool.
1: Yeah. So that's actually, you know, I think a perfect segue into another question, which is, um, you know, you talked about how you're really in, uh, the stage at which you're conceptualizing and designing. Um, so what are, you know, what are sort of the approaches that you're taking as a team to validating assumptions? And, and that can be around, you know, business model, um, you know, that, that you're going after, you know, kind of a target and you'll be able to sustain a business so that you can sustain these, the products and services that you're planning to build for uh, LIPS and LIPS users.
2: Yeah. So I guess, um, you know, the first assumption uh, that we had to validate was that, you know, will people want to submit? Uh, there are to our platform. And so the MVP was kind of a way of, of doing that. And we've gotten, I think now over like 400, 400 submissions uh, since June. Um, and we've had, I think, I've, I haven't checked the numbers the past couple months, but in October we had uh, 4,000 4, unique site visitors. So, you know, pretty steady growth. And And again, the idea is, is that having this mobile app will create a little bit more stickiness. Um, and then the other thing we've been doing is, is talking to artists actually. Um, so one of, one of the things we've been doing is launching pop-up galleries, um, and at those pop-up galleries, all the artists that are involved, basically talking to them about, you know, what, what kind of platform do you need to show and sell your art and talking specifically to artists, um, who Feel that their artwork is often banned. We've had, um, we have one artist uh, who's a big supporter of Lips who had her account deleted. She had like 80K followers uh, on Instagram and then her account was deleted and she had to start from zero again. And that's her main, yeah, and that's her main source of income. Um, So this idea of, she's like, if I could get on a platform that would promise not to delete me just because I, you know, posted uh, a drawing of a naked woman, like that would be great. And so that, so we've got right now about 400 artists who are signed up, ready to go uh, for the launch, who's basically said, Yes, sign me up. And who we're now gonna probably the next phase is gonna be talking to them about um, revenue models. So basically, like, uh, what is your budget? So doing some surveys as far as like, what is your budget for, uh, launching so the the revenue models would come from the marketplace um so whether we do something like big cartel where they sign up for um the actual like you basically get the space and then we don't take a, a cut of the sales and then uh or more like Etsy where you take a cut of the sales and then uh the other aspect is like upgrades so like um talking to them about premium features they might be interested in so things we can offer are like Business development, uh, training, and consulting for artists specifically. Um, also, like connecting them, being in like a Lips community artist network, or being a certified Lips uh, community artist, which means that you get first dibs at our partnerships or our corporate partnerships, and you get these this ability to be introduced to different artists. Um, so, so different corporations. So that's those are kind of some of the things we're testing. We've got a long list of people who are interested, excited about the app, um, and then also I think one thing that was really exciting for me, and you know, it's it's a little sad because I know a lot of people were upset about it, and I was kind of like, yes, was when uh, Tumblr fell apart. Um, so, like the fact that there was that much press, like, and that much online outrage, and there still is so much online outrage about censorship specifically about, you know, Tumblr's policies, how it's affecting, um, not just, you know, artists and people who are, you know, posting possibly like not suitable for work art, but also just, you know, racial minorities, sexual minorities, and how their content is just being deleted without rhyme or reason. So those sorts of things tell me that there is a space for this. And then, um, I'm very much a fan of the, um, uh, what is that my mind is blanking? The um it's what the tech guys use to like test their models. So it's like you build the sort it's basically the lean startup model where you 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 know mm-hmm. test small things first. Like so the, we're the lean doing canvas approach. Of, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, exactly. And so basically talking about how you can go from one small thing to the next small thing. So like our app that we build isn't gonna have every single feature we want. But it's going to have a lot of the features that we've tested and talked to artists and and yeah. users about.
0: Absolutely, Zach and I are huge fans of the experimentation approach in in yeah. our previous work together. We, I think, every situation we tried to look for small bites that we could start validating. In addition to what Nick just said, I think
1: you know we also really appreciate the kind of like scrappy and guerrilla tactics for trying to validate assumptions, and yeah. loved the idea uh, that you all have been using to run pop-ups and use that as a venue to start you know testing assumptions really interesting
2: yeah and going to zine fairs actually there's there's a really good zine fest here in san diego there's another one in new york um if you know just for fun they're so fun to go to because all these independent artists and they're just so excited about what they're doing it's like probably maybe the only time of the year they they table and basically, just going to every single table and saying, "Hey, here's this. Would you like something like this? Give me feedback." So, like actually going to them um, and talking to them in person is has been so helpful.
0: Absolutely. Um, I, I think you're setting us up for the perfect transition here to dig into some uh, conversation about user experience. Uh, but before I oh, before I go there, I do want to dig into. Um, something you mentioned about your background. So you said that you've been through Y Combinator twice and they, you know, they're, they're huge on, I think, teaching founders, the fundamentals of validating, right. And getting out of the building and making sure that you're going to build something that people want and will use. Yeah. I'm assuming the, the previous, the two cohorts that you were with, those were not blockchain ideas, right?
2: No, they were actually focused more on, um, like the the future of work okay. yeah. track.
0: Yeah. So, so my question yeah. then is in that training and that education that you went through with Y Combinator, I'm sure you picked up a lot of techniques, um, that you're able to apply in your startup today. I'm curious in the context of blockchain, is there anything that you're doing differently that you, that they didn't give you the tool set for?
2: Hmm. Yeah, that's a really good question. I think, well, you know, I actually, I'm, um, uh, believer or a uh, kind of a, uh, a subscriber to the zebra uh, methodology which basically what the zebra is is that um, uh, unicorns so it's anti-unicorn um, and they are a group of it's founded by two women um, and they are basically their uh, vision is for uh, zebras to outnumber unicorns in that uh, unicorns are these high growth, um, high stress, um, large, large sums of funding just dumped in at once, uh, move really like that kind of Facebook move fast, sure. break thing sure. sort of idea. And then there's the, um, you know, also the association with that the majority of unicorns are white straight males. And so that's something that I think going through Y Combinator um, was, was tricky. And I think with blockchain, specifically um i think like the idea of yes you know fast growth is important but also especially when you're dealing with an emerging technology um taking taking just times to pause you know and and think like let me think through this and let me think about the true potential of this because i think if you know lips went through something like y combinator obviously that would be awesome but also uh one I might like, you know, have a nervous breakdown because it's super stressful. Um, and two, um, you know, and they don't really emphasize like self-care or anything, which is actually why I really like Backstage Capital. Um, they're, they're a super interesting VC and accelerator because they focus a lot on that like self-care aspect. Um, but also, I think, you know, when you're dealing with an emerging technology, if, you're, if you move too fast, you're going to miss um, maybe some of the consequences of what you're doing and and not think through that so well because i think the potential of blockchain to really reinvent the internet is exciting and i don't think that we should just you know just move forward and see what happens like i think we should pause see what's been done incorrectly in the past and make sure to take the time not to replicate those mistakes so that's that's like kind of the addition i think that groups outside of Y Combinator kind of added to my perspective of of growth and maybe instead of fast growth, like effective Amen. and smart growth.
0: You know, I think that's such a powerful insight. And I, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm hearing that a bit um, in, the, in the circles that, that I run in with work and, you know, this podcast, that people are starting to get the sense that maybe we should slow down a bit and, and reflect on what we're doing because we're laying groundwork for what could be a very pivotal change, you know, for the next right. couple of decades. And so I, I, I love hearing that from founders. So thank you for slowing down and considering. <laughs> I think that's great.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, going slow is pretty good and, you know, living in San Diego, it's, it's like part of the culture. So everyone's like, yeah, yeah absolutely. Slow down, Amen man. to that.
0: Yeah. Si- side note. Um, I don't know, were you at San Diego startup week last year?
2: I was, yeah. I, I moderated the panel on a uh, working spaces. Oh,
0: awesome. So I was the managing director last year. And so I, he'll put that together, but I was just, you brought up backstage and Arlen was the keynote.
2: I know. So it's so great
0: to see her getting love. I'm hearing her name more and more and it's great to see that.
2: Yeah, we actually, we applied for this last cohort and there was 1800 applications. So I was not expecting to get very far, but we actually made it to the semifinals and, you know, made it, yeah, we made it to the top 100 out of 1800. So we were pretty excited and Uh, because we made a top 100, we made into their like Slack channel of like kind of potential startups. So I'm staying in touch with them and, uh, Lolita, uh, Taub, she's here in San Diego and she's just a great, um, sort of, you know, uh, role model for, for women in the tech space. So I love staying connected with them. Very cool.
0: Awesome. That's, that's great. Okay. So now I do want to turn back towards the UX part of the conversation. Thanks for letting me go down that rabbit hole for a minute. Um, so it sounds like you are You mentioned you're in the design phase and you're doing a lot of thinking about what LIPS is going to be once you introduce blockchain and the additional functionality. Um, tell me uh, a little bit about how you're thinking through the design process and specifically, you know, what are your considerations at this point in terms of the user experience and are you doing anything to to validate that part as you go?
2: Yeah, so... And I, I'm really excited to have this conversation because I think it'll help me <laughs> uh talk through some ideas that I've been having. Um, but basically like, you know, like I said, we don't want um lips to just look like uh apps before it, um, especially since, you know, the majority of our users are gonna be, whether they're professional artists or just creative people or people that, you know, have maybe gone through some sort of trauma or have found that art, you know, really helps them. Uh, Express themselves. Uh, We want, you know, lips to really feel warm and safe, and uh, also just creative and maybe a little bit weird. Um, You know, like uh, not just be your typical, um, you know, circles and squares uh, sort of app. And and for me, that's that's going to be the exciting part because I think like it's it's going to be cool because they'll be like creating a little mini um, art exhibit on a phone. Um and the idea of art exhibits, you know, if you go into some of the contemporary art ones, you know, they've got maybe like balloons on the floor, screens. Um I I follow a lot of uh interesting contemporary artists and so pulling pulling from uh some of the work they're doing and how like these interactive exhibits exist in both 2D and 3D and um you know, so for example, like should we have um like a swipe feature or should it be more like an iPod scroll thing where you can kind of like see different uh, screens as you scroll. Or like if you push something aside or like move to a different screen, is there some sort of cool artistic transition we could have? So that's like the really fun part. And then like you're doing the really fun part and you're like, okay, well, but I also want this to be like practical and usable. (laughs) Um, I don't want it just to be a bunch of like glitter and people are like, what, what the hell is going on? Because that could also be like, you can go into contemporary art exhibits and they can also be overwhelming. So it's, I think what we're trying to do is, um, I think what we're leaning towards is this idea of uh, like artistic minimalism. Um, So really interesting colors, um, clean lines mixed in with like overlapping arts, different um, backgrounds. And then just the user journey Basically, we want to start off with users entering the app, whether they sign in anonymously or signed, and then they enter into a uh, welcome uh, screen, or or rather they enter into the home feed. And so the home feed is going to be um, chronological, uh, which is going to be fun because a lot of people have been asking for that back on Instagram. And so basically what the feed is is that, you're not going to necessarily follow everybody in the feed. Like you don't have to follow people to see everything that's happening on lips. Um, because our content and the people on our app are, you know, of are producing art of the same mindset. Obviously if you see a piece of art, you don't want to see, you can, you know, block them or or remove them from the main feed. But basically the main feed is a community feed where anything that's posted to lips at any time shows up. And then, um, so that's kind of what our MVP is right now, except uh, obviously there's back-end approval, which there won't be on the app. And then uh, you know, from there, we want people to be able to access the marketplace. So if they click an app or if they click a, a post, they'll be able to see, is this available for sale in the marketplace? Yes. And then you click that post and it takes you directly to the marketplace, shows you the price of it. And then with one click, you can you know buy a print or a shirt or something like that, so then that takes us to okay, well, then we have to create artist profiles. Um, some of the issues we're dealing with right now are you know, do we want to create user profiles? like do we want people who aren't artists to be able to have a profile for all their art, even if they're not you know professionally selling things? Um, do we want artists to have uh, special capabilities on their app? do we want do we want comments? That's been a big thing um, because you know, comments a lot of times are where threats and um, uh, you know just horrible yeah, things absolutely. are said to women online. And so, like we're, I, I think, and I think we're leaning towards eliminating the comments and trying to show interactivity in another way. But then maybe if we are following a specific artist, how do you communicate with them? Ask questions. Um, so those those are things, and I think like that the comments, especially, is an example of how. We apply, you know, feminist theory. And I think also, um, you know, diversity and making sure that, you know, the chronological main feed is important, but I think a lot of the diversity in our app will have to come from recruiting, like making sure that we're not just getting, uh, white women or, uh, onto the app, like we're bringing all communities and that's just going to be, you know, on, on me basically, and on our team to make sure that we're out, reaching out to all types of artists. And we've done a really good job of that so far. And I'm really proud of the team and, um, you know, just really proud of the diversity we're showing so far, but making sure that that stays is going to be an important part of the these. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's just a few examples of kind of things that I've been working through in my head of, you know, how can we make this app really cool, really usable, um, and have both the main feed, a personal feed, and a marketplace um, in a way that's not overwhelming
0: absolutely i mean there's a there's a bunch of stuff in there that I, I would like to dig into i'm not sure that we have enough time to go all the way down the rabbit hole i love the idea of a new kind of experience um that that kind of rethinks the idea of interacting yeah. with creation i think i think that's that's really cool and can't wait to see what you guys do there um <laughs> yeah i
2: mean what can I <laughs> but, you
0: know you, i think you ended there with a point that is really important and i'm not sure that i've i've seen or had ideas about the solution but i think it's worth continuing the dialogue which is in the blockchain space when you're creating communities and you're trying to create a project that you know is free from censorship you do run the risk of you know being overrun by bad actors if if the community Mm -hmm. ethos isn't transmitted through the product you know and if there isn't culture that, that can support um people who are you know positive and, and encouraging uh to support the community so you know I, I i think that's on all of us right who are working in this space to consider yeah. that and figure that out but i do think it's an important question mark that is worth further exploration
2: yeah and i think a lot of that comes from like uh who's on your team uh who whose perspectives are and that and actually there's going to be an article coming out next week um that i was uh able to be interviewed for that was talking about um why emerging technologies need diversity, and a big part of that is because, like, you know, we're we're starting from scratch and we're we're creating this really cool new um, like universe online. You know, building a, a decentralized internet, and uh, building a you know more open and honest internet. But if that's built by the same people, like, or the same types of people, is that going to just recreate old problems? Um, and so bringing. Uh, diverse people into your team like that's going to be part of our crowdfunding is being able to hire new people and you know just the idea that you know the voices that you bring into your project matter like it's not that just they're really good at something it's also that they've also got experiences that are going to enhance uh the ability of your your product to be different and and uh Address some of the problems of the past yeah
1: it's it, it really is uh tricky stuff, and um, yeah I, I, I think we all uh, have a long road to uh, figuring out the right answers to a bunch of those questions, but uh, you know it's important that uh, you know we have folks like you who are involved and uh, yeah you got to have people involved to sort of precipitate some change before I forget, I did you may uh, have already heard of this project, uh, since it's seems to be squarely in, uh, sort of the space that you're working on right now, but have you heard of Dada NYC?
2: No, I haven't.
1: Oh man, you got to check it out. Very, it's <laughs> the website is literally just Dada dot NYC. Um, okay. There are definitely some parallels to, I think what you're working on. Um, you know, definitely different, but, uh, really interesting stuff are they like
2: they're in line with like the data is art movement basically
1: um they basically are they have this feature i think that is um kind of like well one it's art on the blockchain you know simply uh-huh. put but the they have this collaborative drawing feature so oh, somebody will will start a chain of you know with one sort of frame of uh, you know a drawing or whatever and you pass that on and some anybody can add to that. And so you just get these long oh, strings awesome. of anonymous art. Um, you know, it's, it's really, really cool concept. And I'm sure they have other stuff that I won't do justice to. So I'll,
2: Oh, that's awesome. That's another thing I was, you know, I went to this long talk with uh, lady Jade, our, our technical lead. And basically like, you know, one of the best parts about lips was ever, once all the submissions came in, um all the lip staff so the people campus volunteers that were making the magazine would come together and put all the um submissions into a print magazine and so you'd have all these people taking someone else's art And then, you know, kind of interpreting it a certain way, but still honoring the original art. Mm -hmm. And so that would be fascinating, like kind of doing like collage, um, like decentralized collage or like something like that. So I'll I'll definitely look into that. That's awesome.
1: Yeah. They're really cool stuff. That's a cool idea. Um, Yeah. So I I did want to switch gears a little bit and ask, um, you know, you you sort of laid out the team that you have right now and your advisors, uh, but... Really curious to know, you know, what does the day to day look like uh, with your team and advisors, you know, given where you are and what sort of, you know, team processes do you have to sort of drive towards this vision that you have?
2: Sure. So, I mean, to be completely honest, we're pretty scrappy. Um, We uh, so basically like right now we're in like crowdfunding mode. So um, we are like I'm leading a lot of the crowdfunding. Um, Our art director, Julia, she is um leading the the design process so basically one of our goals for the crowdfunding campaign is actually to have um some gifts of the design so you can actually kind of see like inter- an interactive uh, view yeah. of what the app's going to look like um, so she's working on those and um she's also doing outreach to artists um and we we communicate on slack so the whole team is on slack um, and then um our advisors, Raj, you know, I'm in touch with basically when I'm when I come up with an idea and I'm like, is this even possible? I call Raj and he tells me no or yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then um and then Brioni, uh, she's she's awesome. She's actually in Australia right now and she's been helpful in, you know, connecting me to the sex tech world. So actually, like just example for today. Um, this morning I had a call with uh, Melanie, the CEO of my Laurels, which is Kind of, they're a, um, they're a sex tech company. They they are promoting female pleasure uh, through their their product. They make um, kind of these disposable uh, underwear that you can use um, instead of a dental dam. Um, and so we had a nice long talk uh, this morning, kind of about her experience being in sex tech. So I've been learning a lot, connecting with a lot of people, um, doing press, and basically, you know, trying to figure out for our crowdfunding campaign, what, what rewards are, what our network is going to be. And uh, a lot of things too, is just communicating with artists on a regular basis. Like I, I meet so many artists every day via the internet and um, that's probably the favorite part of my job is, is connecting with artists, but also connecting with women who may don't necessarily see themselves as a professional artists, but love to create um, and don't really have much of an outlet to share it with. Um, and so, so that's kind of the day to day. And then, uh, Jade, uh, she comes in basically when we're like, okay, we want to do this with the, with the tech, uh, what's our next steps. And she kind of helps us, uh, think through the next step, basic process of, of what we need to do to get the tech right. And she was, she was really, really big in helping us kind of land on that, um, cryptographic aspect of the app and, and how that's going to be the best way to kind of move the best middle step between where we are now and and building a private blockchain.
1: Yeah, that's great. Um so you know I think you were alluding to the uh crowdfunding and uh you yeah. know would love to hear what the plans are for that and just general sense of you know roadmap and where you're headed.
2: Sure, so basically um we haven't quite landed on an official uh amount yet, but right now it's basically uh 50k uh, with stretch goals of seventy five k and that's gonna build the um cryptographic app um that's gonna help help us build out our our web app a little bit and then uh what I have to do, and it's gonna be like i'm I'm gonna just have to do a lot of legal research basically on um and maybe talk to some legal experts and advisors as well about. IOS, um and and what they're doing right now actually it's the um the app fantasy i connected with their ceo and he was the one who told me like you know be careful if you're building ios because you could build the whole thing and they could just not let you in um yes for for silly things which is you know which is interesting because ours is you know the all of our uh submissions are art you know we're not doing um like nude photography of sex acts or anything like that. It's all art like you would see in a museum or a gallery. Um, but because they're so strict and because of what just happened with Tumblr, um, you know, and it for me it's kind of exciting because one, it makes it a little bit more political, which, you know, matches up with my women's studies stuff. But also it makes it so that we have to be more creative um and and do some creative workarounds. Um and also I think it's just an important issue to bring to light. So the iOS thing will be an important part of the next steps for crowdfunding. But basically, um, you know, we're making a video. We're uh, we're going to be uh, kind of basically. Uh, oh, and we're doing an art gallery launch um, in in February. We're doing another month long pop up here in San Diego with a bunch of artists to kind of lead up to the crowdfunding. And uh, I want to do a launch party, uh, which is going to be really fun. I'm I don't know if you guys have ever seen Belladonna of Sadness. Um, it's this kind of weird japanese um animated movie that's also kind of softcore porn <laughs> <laughs> but uh <laughs> but it's it's really good it's got a really good like um a uh, very empowering uh message and it's it's fascinating so we're gonna maybe do a screening for that for the crowdfunding launch and yeah just all about connecting with people seeing what like, again like kind of what we we're talking about like testing what people want so like testing what rewards people get, what price points for rewards. Um, so kind of in the testing phase of of the crowdfunding. But then, you know, when that crowdfunding is successful, uh, we're going to, you know, really just jump right into the development because basically our plan is to have the design done, uh, wrap up at the same time the crowdfunding campaign wraps up. Yeah. I, yeah. That's,
1: that's exciting. It's, it's
2: very cool because really this has been something I've been working on for 10 years and something that like, I've almost tried to get away from a couple times like oh let's you know I'm going to be an adult now I don't need to do my sex magazine anymore <laughs> like I'm going to just do marketing but it's like people come to me and they're like oh yeah lips really helped me figure out my sexuality or I feel so much more comfortable with my partner now and you know and like I said I'm an artist myself so it it really blends together my love of art um my interest in feminism and uh technology and so you know, for me, it's just a really good outlet and a, and a fun thing to do. And the fact that it could actually be like an app on my phone sort of blows my mind. <laughs> That's a beautiful but, thing. Uh, well, yeah, it's exciting. It's like you know, it's like finishing a painting, but like a really, really expensive painting.
0: <laughs> okay, so final question. Yes. And we're not we're not sure if this is going to apply to you, so.
1: Okay.
0: Feel free to opt out of this one if you don't think it has a place. But um, because you're considering a private blockchain, it it might not apply. Um, You know, uh, Zach coined this podcast. He named it. He sent me a Slack message and he said, it's going to be called Fork the Product. And I scratched my head for a minute and I said, oh, I like it. (laughs) No, that's good. Um, So, uh, you know, in in all uh, projects that are using a public chain and are open sourcing their work, there is always the possibility that You know, somebody comes along, forks your project, and decides they're going to create an alternative version of your product. Um, Yeah. So I'm curious what your perspective is on that and if that will have any impact on Lips.
2: Yeah, I mean, um, like, you know, if someone wants to come along and build a a sex-positive, feminist, creative-sharing app, like, you know what? I I welcome the competition because I, yeah. <laughs> I like it's it's not it's first of all like you know it'd be great to see that in the world and and second of all like it's not the easiest uh, product to launch um, you know talking to investors or talking to just anybody like I was really excited like when I was like okay I'm gonna talk to Nick and I'm gonna tell him that I'm launching this like sex art app and he's gonna be like oh that's super interesting and then we'll never talk again. But like, you know, you know not everyone is as open-minded as you guys are and it's it's tricky. So I guess like that's one thing is that, you know, I think it's it's a tough it's a tough thing to do and so, you know, if if somebody wants to try and do it, that's great. And also, I've been working on this for like 10 years. <laughs> so I've kind of really got the the audience and and the brand uh very um what you would say like uh very down pat. And so that's one thing. I think another thing is that, um, because we are building a private blockchain, um, that's going to make it a little bit more, um, uh, a little bit more difficult to replicate. Um, I also think that one thing that's going to be super cool about our product is that because, uh, the majority of our team has a background in women's studies and, and feminist philosophy, we're actually going to have like, feminist philosophy written into the code um uh, of the app and and like that's that's what's super exciting to me because um that's not something you can just like it's not like somebody could be like oh that's doing super well let me just copy that you you can fork
0: the product but you can't fork the people
2: (laughs) yeah and and you can't like and you can't fork philosophy but you also have to like study philosophy if you want to do that and so like there aren't a lot of tech people who have um a really in-depth understanding of feminist philosophy and how it can be applied to create significant social change um, that matches what our team has. And so that's one thing that I'm really excited about. I also think like, you know, just uh, having a brand that people love and identify with and, you know, that really cares about them. So if, if someone comes along and they create something that people really care about and they really care about these other people, then that's, that's great. But I think what lips is doing is that like, this is something that's near and dear to our hearts. We're not in it for profit or the money, although that's obviously a big part of it to sustain the project. Um, you know, So I think that's, that's going to set us apart uh, continuously uh, along with the other things I mentioned.
0: That's awesome. Awesome. Very well said too. Annie, thank you so much for your time today. This has been an awesome conversation. We've really enjoyed digging into what you're up to with with Lips and we look forward to seeing the app very soon.
2: Yes, yes. Uh, I I look forward to seeing it as well. And thank you guys so much for having me. This has been a really really cool conversation. I love talking about this yeah. stuff.
0: Thanks, Annie. Thanks, Take
1: Annie. <laughs>